Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I have one of my favorite humans on today to tell you about an amazing product that we both love. Well, thank you, honey. This is Milkman Mark Hyman here telling you about the almond cow, which I saw on those Instagram posts, and I thought, we've got to have one of these and see whether it is actually as good as it looks. And it is. It's actually even better because there are things that you can make out of it, almond milk, oat milk. Cashew milk. Uh, coconut milk. Anything you want, you can make in this. And what's great is you have, there are fewer preservatives, less sugar, and then what you get left over at the end is this pulp that you can make into, can make cookies or muffins, so nothing goes to waste. And it's there any time, so if you run out of milk, you don't have to run to the store. It is so amazing. We love it, love it, love it. So if you want to get your own, check out the link and use code Lara for extra savings. Approved by the Milkman. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today I am so Happy to have you meet a wonderful woman named Heather Avani. This was the first time I had talked with Heather, and I felt like we could have talked for hours. She just has this calm, grounded, but resonant energy. And it was just fascinating to discuss her past, her pathway to where she is now. She's a yoga teacher as well, but what we really dive into is her work in the Akashic readings. What is what does that even mean? Well, you'll find out. You'll find out because I ask her all the questions, assuming nothing. And she does such a great job kind of decoding what the Akashic readings and training are and how you can get to know yourself better um, through these trainings or readings. But she also has offerings online. She's got some free resources. You'll learn all of it. So just keep listening to this magical being, Heather. Welcome, Heather. So happy to have you on the podcast today. Honored to be here, Lara. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm always interested in hearing about people's journey into getting to where they are. And you have quite a toolkit of um, offerings and of experiences, but can you just bring us back to the place where it all started? What what set you off on this path or was it multiple 
experiential moments? Yeah, I think it was more of um, like stepping stones along the way. You know, one thing leads to another leads to another. So uh, I started off um, meditating in university just to help support the stress that I was experiencing being away from home. And prior to that, I probably experienced prayer a little bit growing up in the Catholic church. Uh, But yoga, when I started to unfold um, the meditation into the asana practice and into the texts of philosophy, it really felt like a homecoming for me. So yoga kind of gripped me and pulled me in instantaneously. And it led right into a teacher training uh, early on. So in my early 20s was when I started teaching yoga and then offered uh, a lot of teachings and trainings to uh, other yoga teachers over the years and then gradually uh, unfolded into the Akashic Records, just wanting to be deeper with consciousness and experience uh, more of a communication with consciousness than just a quiet peace and calm was kind of my desire. And so the Akashic Records just organically unfolded from there. So yeah, I've been working with those for about three years now. Yeah, I think it's really natural for anyone, you know, I'm both a physical therapist and a yoga teacher and just kind of combine that into being a movement healer of of sorts. But I think whatever path people are on, they usually have a calling to to deepen the understanding or to find um, specific areas to focus on more. So in your practice now, what does it look like for you personally? Do you pull all of this into your personal practice and then we'll get into your teaching? Yeah, I let it be quite rhythmic. I let it be quite fluid, to be honest. So when there's times in my life that I'm feeling really fatigued and tired, I probably have a stronger yoga nidra practice, which is lying down and listening to an audio recording, which takes you into a deep relaxation just to reset my nervous system. And then when there's times when I'm more um, intense and I have more physical energy, then, then my asana practice is more alive. But on a consistent daily or weekly basis, there's probably each day there's a meditation time that I have and I let it uh, call me in rather than always setting aside a specific time to meditate. And then my asana practice probably layers on top of that maybe three to four times a week as well. And how do you think all of that kind of inner knowing and stronger intuition has impacted not only your teaching, but your relationships in your life? Yeah. So where I live right now, it's a very small town. So when I, when I chose to move here as a yoga teacher, there was no teachers in my area that were, um, a good alignment for me to be a student from. So I I really had to dive into my own practice and let my practice be its own teacher on me, which at the time was very frustrating because I really wanted to be external and I wanted to be uh, taught by someone else. I wanted to be led, but it just, the circumstances didn't allow it. And this was, this was before online yoga was a really big thing. So there wasn't a whole lot um, to pull from the internet either. So I had no choice but to really self-develop my own teaching style and my own practice and really let it be my, my teacher for many, many years. And as a result of that, now looking back, I can see how it created such a level of empowerment within me, but it also shone a light as to when there were specific moments where it was like, this is not something I can do on my own. So I was 
kind of nudge to go external and make the appropriate arrangements to leave town and, and do some trainings outside of town to just really have that spanda taking place, that contraction and that ex that expansion. So the ability to go inwards and then the ability to also recognize that we're all connected and, and everyone's your teacher. So someone external was a better fit for me at certain times. And so journeying into where you are now with the Akashic training or tools, um, the readings, can you, can you share, like, how did you, I don't think everyone's just going to kind of find themselves drawn to that or even know about it. Can you share a little bit about not only how you found out about it, but what, what about the, um, training was calling you? Yeah. Um, so that was a, an interesting way that that happened into my life. It didn't really present itself in a very loud manner. It was Akasha, even after 25 years of, of working with yoga, it wasn't a term or, or an understanding that I had a lot of um, depth with. But there were different times when I would work with different facilitators where the, the topic of Akashic Records would come up. And I knew a little bit about it to ask, uh, you know, I'm thinking of doing an Akashic session. Do you have any recommendations? And as the recommendations would come in, they just wouldn't feel like a good fit for me. So I kind of leave it and forget about it. And then a couple of years would go by and it would sort of whisper again. So it was, um, I would say that went on for about eight years. It wasn't big on my radar at all, Lara. It wasn't something that I was really um, leaning in towards at all. And then what ended up happening was um, when COVID hit, I was doing a little bit more meditation than usual because as we know, all the yoga studios were shut down. So it provided a little bit more internal time for myself. And in meditation, um, several times, in one week, uh, a particular family friend's name who, who became my teacher, Kellyanne Bass, she just, her name would pop into my head in meditation. And after the third time, I just thought, okay, this is more than just um, a random thought that's coming in. So I reached out to her and sent an email and just said, I, I don't know why I'm reaching out, um, but I trust that you will know where to lead me from here. And hello, if this is just a hello, but if there's something more, please let me know. And so she wrote back and, and shared with me that she was an Akashic Record teacher and asked if I would like to do a session with her. And from that session, that's where it quickly unfolded into me doing a level one, level two and level three with her. And then moving on to actually offering and providing this training for other way showers and light workers that, uh, that want to be working with the Akashic Records more fully. Okay. So Talk us through what happens in this first session. I'm just totally fascinated. Yeah, it's neat. It's Think of it similar to like if you go to a flow yoga class with one teacher, it'll be different than a flow yoga class with another teacher. So different Akashic teachers sort of hone into different um, areas of expertise, even though they're teaching the Akashic records. So for example, one Akashic record teacher might specialize in past life regression. So they're able to go into your Akashic records and give you lots of information on past lives that will help you navigate the present life that you're in right now. So it helps to unblock different areas that might feel stuck and give insight as to why you're so good at certain things that you're good at. And for myself, when I work with the Akashic records, um, a highlight that I have is, is the ability to support people in understanding what their soul's purpose is in this lifetime and also giving them tools as to how they can befriend it and work with it more fully. Wow. So yeah. can you, for, for people out there that really have no idea what these are, what are the Akashic Records readings? Who found them or learned about them? Um, and what 
what was what was their purpose? Right. So akasha means space. It means um, sort of the void is another way that you can describe it. It also means spirit. So it's a very ancient Sanskrit term, akasha. The modern way that we might refer to it is when we talk about the quantum field. Okay. So how we can work with the quantum field and we can pull in certain frequencies of energy to support us with, um, with a growing edge that we might have. So with Akashic Records, every soul has its own signature GPS signal. It has its own frequency. And when you tap into the frequency, it, it, it's contained in a dimension that has no time or space. So all of our thoughts, all of our deeds, all of our actions over many different timelines is contained within your own personal etheric book, if you will. And so the Akashic Records is... Um, it, it is the field of space, but then within that, you can radio signal in specifically to one person's soul and get information from their soul space. And I know that this sounds very far-reaching yeah. and, and yes. pretty intense. I'm sharing it. Um, so let me let me share. Yeah, I was going to say. So how does one even know what that, where they are, or you know how to locate that? Yeah, how to locate it. So there's a, there's a few things. So number one is um, each of us comes into this lifetime with different clairabilities, and we're either consciously working with them or, or unconsciously working with them. So the, our clairabilities, the one that we're most familiar with is clairvoyant. And oftentimes what happens in this spiritual community is that if we aren't clairvoyant, we uh, write ourselves off from being able to connect with consciousness. Like we think of it as like the, the hierarchy of Claire abilities, when in fact, it's just one. So I have very little clairvoyance, but I'm, I read the Akashic records, no problem. So another clairability is clairsentient. This is how you, you feel and pick up different signals in your body. So this can be when you get tingling in the palm of your hands, you get hot and cold shivers, uh, some people get um, sort of like a, a like a tingling up and down their spine when they're when they're radaring into something that's that's important. So that's clairsentience, and then we have claircognizance, which is our inner knowing. And for most of us, this is interesting because we confuse it with thought. So a claircognizance would be um, a, a download that you get faster than thought. So, for example, if someone was to present a choice point to you and say, you know, would you like to do A? Would you like to do B? And right away, you instantly know, I want to do A. But then thought will come in right behind that and start to use its logic and reason to make your decision, right? But the claircognizance comes in very quickly. It still sounds like your thought voice. That's the other thing is a lot of people think that claircognizance is um, a voice outside of your own thought voice. It's the same voice. So it can get confusing because to a, to a new practitioner, it's the ability to delineate between what is thought and what is what is what is an inner knowing that's coming in. Interesting. And then is the that, other... We've also labeled that sometimes like gut instinct, like my gut was to go like this, but my rational, logical brain, would that be a similar type of discernment? of Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're actually literally feeling it in your gut, mm -hmm. that's clairsentient. That is you feeling it viscerally internally and knowing that this is the decision you need to make. But others, they'll call it a gut feeling, but it comes in as just like a knowing, like I know I need to go here. And you know that knowing without being taught, 
which means you might not even be able to rationally back it up because it's coming from a place that defines logic and, and rationalization. And so for most of us, this is why we deny it or we dismiss it or we, we don't listen to it because we are so conditioned to um, making our decisions based on rational mind and, and logic and reason, right? And then the others are, are taste and smell and hearing. So all of our senses are ways that um, the, the energetic realm communicates through us because it's the, it's, the, it's the fastest way to get information through us because it has the least physical um, density to it, right? Mm. So if someone is learning how to read the Akashic Records, what we're doing in a first session together is I'm going into their records and using their body. I almost do what I call an energetic body scan where I just start, I would just start with the crown of your head and I do this over Zoom or in person, whichever feels better to people. But as I'm going through the crown of the head and into the eyes and into the face, I'm going to start to get information as to what clairabilities are most strong within you. And even the person across from me oftentimes will dismiss it until we start to tunnel in and I'll say, well, do you have really vivid dreams? Yes. Okay. Well, do you um, oftentimes see hues or colors sometimes when you're um, in different situations? Well, yes. And these are things that people aren't aware that they're doing until it's pointed out to them, or they're aware that they're doing it, but they assume everyone else receives information that way too, because that's how they receive information. And so it's just sharing with them that, no, this is actually quite signature to you. And this is how your guides and your teachers want to be working with you. So when you're doing that um, kind of scan, what is it that you're receiving to know that information? Um, it's almost as though the information, so my strongest clarability is claircognizance. It's an inner knowing. So when I open up someone's records, first I start, this is just how I read the records. And wait, can I just, uh, when you say you open up someone's records, what does that mean? I mean, yeah. they're like literally like papers. Right. So let me take <laughs> you through like a, a session, how a yeah, session yeah. would look if I did that with someone. Okay. So I start with just a little introduction um, to each other. I do a little grounding and centering before we start. So few reasons for that. One, usually someone's a little bit nervous when they come in. People think that, um, that when I open the records, I, I get access to all their dark, deep secrets that nobody else knows about. So there's a nervousness sometimes. And that's not true, just, just so you know. And before I start, just I, I cannot open anyone's records that they personally have not given me permission to do so. So at the end of this podcast interview, I can't then go and open up your records layer and get all this information and dirt on you if I wanted to, right? It doesn't work like that. It's actually very heavily protected with um, strong energies. So we start with a little grounding and centering. It softens um, the client. It softens me. And the more relaxed we are, the easier it is to access the subtle realm. It's the same as meditation. So if you're going to hard edge yourself in meditation, it's going to be hard to have access to that realm because it works on a frequency that's very soft. So we spend maybe 10 minutes just grounding and centering. Then I offer a banishment mantra just to make sure that we're working with the highest and greatest light. So it's literally like a paragraph that I read from a, a mantra sheet that I have that's just basically sending the signal that we're only working with the energy that serves this, per this person's highest and greatest light. 
Hmm. From there, we do an opening mantra, which is um, stating their name. We're asking permission to go into the records and we ask that the records be open. So again, it's a short three sentences that I'll repeat out loud. And then I pause and I, and I say what I call, I, I'm calibrating. I'm seeing if I'm in their records. And how I know that I'm in someone else's records is because the frequency feels different to me than my own frequency does. So when I'm sitting with you right now, I'm, I'm by nature um, grounded and calm. And if I perhaps was to go into your records, your frequency might be more um, sparkly. It might be more uplifting. It might be more... Um, expansive. So these are different ways that I, I feel into the frequency. And then I know that I'm in their records and they can start pinging questions at me and we can start asking those questions to the records and seeing what comes back. Um, but usually I'll spend maybe about 10 minutes just in their field. If they've never hung out with their guides and their teachers before, um, I'll introduce them a little bit. If, if there's a little bit of a frequency that wants to just get closer to them, I'll share that with them. And I just give information as to what their soul space feels like, because a lot of people aren't even aware of what their frequency is. And then from there, I start doing an energetic scan and I'll start with the crown of the head. And as I just place my attention on the crown of their head, information will just start coming in through my own claircognizance. Amazing. I am yeah. sold. I wish we could yeah. do a live right here with it, but I, I think that would probably mess up the frequency. I'll have to do it and talk about it. So sure. we should do that together. I love that. I think it's, yeah. I mean, I, I get that because I have similar feelings of energetic connections with people and understanding, you know, things that are not as, lo you know, lo quote unquote logical. You know, I come from a medical background, so I appreciate the science. I appreciate the medicine, but where it's lacking is in the energetic quality like you're talking about. So, um, and of course, fear and pain, you wrap that in there and that has its own, you know, energy to itself, which that's what I try and work with in, in really teaching people, I don't want to say they're not in pain, but a lot of it is their interpretation of it and what's been mm -hmm. told to them. And so if we can kind of, it's nervous system overload, it's, it's a lot of things that we experience and interpret from what our understanding is, which is stress and fear and pain, but maybe it's not that it's just your body actually trying to talk to you about something. And, and we just aren't tuned in in the same way. What do you think is the biggest barrier to people, first of all, even wanting to sign up to do something like this with you? Like I can imagine many people, um, even if like behind closed doors, they're like a little interested. Uh, do you think people are fearful of discovering um, that, that reading, that this, the the book of sorts of themselves? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that we're in a very interesting time in human history. Uh, I, I find that I'm busier than I ever have been. And it's because a lot of people are feeling like they're here to be a part of a solution. And they're not quite sure how they're meant to be showing up. And so when they hear that the sessions that I offer 
gives them information as to what their soul's purpose is in this lifetime, it's actually a relief to a lot of people because they're, they're looking for a solution to this, like, I know I'm here for something bigger, but I don't know how to tap into it. So uh, I, I do find at this particular time, this is almost um, a life raft for a lot of people is to be able mm -hmm. to do an Akashic session and, and get information as to, as to how they need to be or how they, they could be given opportunity to step forward. Keep in mind that um, everything that comes through in the Akashic records is free will. So you are a very divine and sovereign individual. And just because information is coming through in the records doesn't mean that you necessarily need to respond and act and, and take on what is being offered to you. You still have the right to choose. And, and I think the bigger thing for a lot of people is appreciating that they, they are not either put more in the graces of the universe or step down from the graces of the universe, depending on whether or not they make these, these decisions. And, th and this just, there's a lot of our, our history that just is, has such a patriarchy to it that is just very condemning. So a lot of people are still weeding through that, I think, in this lifetime, as well as, um, you know, we're not very far away from, from the time in human history where anyone who even thought about tapping into these types of intuition and clairabilities would be persecuted and even killed. So this is where I think a lot of people's, or th this is, in fact, where a lot of people's fear comes from. It's not so much a fear in this lifetime of tapping into it, but it's a fear that's carried over from a previous lifetime of when that was not safe and it was not okay. And so far, oftentimes with people, we do spend time clearing out on an etheric realm um, the fear that they have to just trusting their own intuition and allowing them that to, to, rem to remind themselves that in this lifetime, it is safe to tap into this. And not only is it safe, but you're being encouraged to do so because this is part of the reason why you chose to come to come back to, mm -hmm. to hang out here. Yeah. So in this lifetime, in your earlier years, did you have any uh, guidance in this area or did in or was it the opposite that you were also seeking something because you did not find it in your whatever you want to share? It's always interesting when people kind of find the path they're supposed to be doing. And sometimes it's absolutely the opposite of the background from which they came or they were supported in that path? Um, I would say it's, it's no more, it's, it's average, I guess is how I would describe it. Although, mm -hmm. I mean, I, of course we're not all um, average, but I grew up in the Catholic church and anything that was expanding in Catholicism was encouraged. Right. So if I wanted to do the rosary, if I wanted to pray, those sorts of things. Great. And when I became in, in my late teens, when I went away to university, I was I was curious on taking a, a course on just like the history of theology. And it was it's very interesting because my dad at the time strongly encouraged that. And I think if I I have had the conversation with him, but in his mind, he thought, oh, yeah, go out there and explore these different things and you'll come back to to the church is, is I think what he believed. And I went out and I explored and, and I I ended up doing the exact opposite, but we still have great conversations on consciousness and spirituality. And he pulls in from, from his background and I pull in from mine and it creates a very loving uh, communication and I, I enjoy it very much. But 
No, I think this is also a misconception, Lara, and I'm glad you're bringing it up, is that a lot of people think that, let's take mediumship, psychics, right? We think that this is a skill set that we're born with or we're not born with. It's not something that's developed inside of us. And what I think drew me to the Akashic Records so much, and I give full credit to my teacher for this, is she really was... Um, Had this, had this ability to just not put herself on a pedestal when she was offering this to me. She presented it from this point of view of anyone who wants to access this can access it. The, the inner desire to access it is the invitation from consciousness moving you towards it. And all we're doing as teachers is showing the toolkit to help to unfold what is actually already there. So for me, did I, did I have any visions or um, psychic abilities as a kid? No, I didn't. But I was intuitive in knowing what I wanted and what I didn't want and wasn't able to explain it as a young kid. But I think that that's innate in, in most of us. We just slowly get it suppressed over time. And all we're doing is taking off sort of the earth that's been put on top of it and just letting it breathe again and letting it come back out again. But most... Any, any person that's come into a session, we can dial in to a claircognizance that they have had all their life and it's either been low or high, but it's been there. It's been there. Yeah, I, I imagine so. And yeah. um, I love that explanation. And I, I think anytime you pick a, um, a vocation, because that's what I would say this is, is a calling. That's what I say my profile. I mean, I do a vocation, not a job. But um, that is definitely not in a traditional manner or recognized traditional manner. Um, I'm always, you know, I, I love to hear about people's own kind of home environments and backgrounds because that is, there is a, you're a little bit of a pioneer to a degree. Like you said, there isn't anything special per se about helping others access what you also have, like all of us have it, but it is special and certainly a little bit of a pioneer to do something that has not yet been recognized at all as a traditional path. So, mm. yeah. And I think, I think maybe it's the, it's the not, uh, how can I put this? It's the not saying no when the nudges come. I think that's a bit of the difference there too. You mm -hmm. know, I look at the teachers that I have in my life that have been very profound teachers. And when I sit in their company, there's just such a deep level of gratitude of them taking every single step that they took in their life to get to a point where I can sit with them and learn so much from them. And that's always in the back of my head when I'm doing my own navigating of my own spiritual journey is this this may not make sense right now but it eventually will lead me to being able to not only resource my own self but being able to help others resource their self and I think for me something that's a frustration but also a blessing is that I've had to figure it out every single thing that I've done like even as an asana teacher like the yoga poses did not come naturally for me I'm not by nature a dancer or flexible I'm, I'm almost six foot you know and so figuring out how to do intricate poses in yoga took a lot of like puzzle piecing together 
And at the time it was frustrating, but then that's what allowed me to be able to teach it later was because I had to go through all the steps in order to figure it out. I couldn't just say, well, you just, you just do it. You just do yeah. it. Yeah. That didn't work for me. Right. Bring your nose to your toes. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can do it. Just do it. So the same is true with the Akashic Records is that A, honestly, I didn't want it. I live in a small town. It's a very physical town. It's a very type A town. Um, me teaching yoga is, yeah, that's societally accepted, but going into the high, the deeper spiritual dimensions of this is not something that is really revered in this town. So as this started to come in, there was a part of me that was like, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to expose myself or, or, or let myself be seen in a way that I'm not comfortable handling um, any comments that might come from that. But I, I just leaned into like this deep layer of trust of um, this wouldn't be presented to me if I wasn't meant to share it. And as I leaned into that, to be honest, most of my clientele is global. It's not in town. I have like an international clientele and I am having the most fun I've had ever in, in working with people and watching people witness themselves, be able to read the own record, their own records. It's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. It's fun. I love that. I have so many questions for you. So um, let me just ask you this. Do, uh, does anyone have multiple, like they're multi-talented, multiple Claire, Claire, yeah. Claire abilities, Claire yes. abilities. Yes, for sure. You. Yeah, there's, there is. So what happens with me is that I will oftentimes get an inner knowing and a sensation in my body at the same time. Mm. And as, so if I was doing a session with you and I was to hit on, on something and start talking about it. The hit comes from my inner knowing, but then the, the going deeper and tunneling in is, is from like the back of my spine. I get a lot of goosebumps. I get a lot of shivers and almost, it feels like my body's even leaning forward a little bit. And so for me, that's a signal of yes, keep going. Yes, yes, yes. This person needs to know this. They need to understand this. They need to like unpack this a little bit with them. So I get multiple, um, Claire's that come in. And then if the person across from me is quite clairvoyant, my clairvoyancy will amplify um, a little bit, which is interesting too. So depending on the person that's in front of me, but I just did a, a teacher training with a, a beautiful young woman who she's basically every single one of her clear Claire's is open. So for her, it's trying to weed through when she's getting the downloads as to which one to pay attention to because she's getting it from many different angles. But how her soul learns and understands this world is also through the same way. So she sees things and hears and feels things all at once. And that's how she forms her conclusions. And that's how she gets her confidence to make decisions. So even though in this beginner stage of her reading her own records and reading someone else's records, it's a bit confusing because there's so much information coming in. It is very much aligned to how her soul shows up naturally in her regular world. So it makes a lot of sense to her that that's how she needs to read it is to be in all these clairs and all these clairs at once. So when we work together, it's really, I'm coaching her when I'm watching her doing a session to stay with one clairability for a little while until she can feel it kind of soften and go quiet and then see if there's another clairability that's more um, in, in, the, 
in sort of like center stage or, or more lit up, if you will. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Wow. So just like you with your clients, right? You probably yeah. sense and feel, but then there's like an inner knowing that comes in. There's a few things working there. Well, I'm curious when you uh, are working, say you have, do you, do you have a certain number of people you feel like you can work with before you would need to like, uh, not that it would be draining, but do you, it, it does, I'm at, does it fuel you or do you really need to kind of refuel after working with people? Because you're working in an energetic realm, which I can imagine would be tiring at times. Do you have to kind of pace yourself or is it the opposite? It actually fuels you. Uh, no, it's both. I mean, I'm also yeah. a mom of three kids. So I mean, Oh my goodness. <laughs> there's a real life going on there Say as well. no more. Oh my <laughs> What? <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, my max is probably three sessions a day Yeah, and they're, they're one hour sessions. So I'll do one hour session and and I usually get a half hour in between, but my main, um, my main, I guess, jam or the main source of, of what I do in a day for work is actually working more with programs with people. So I, I have different, um, spiritual mentorship programs that I do with people. So sometimes it's the Akashic training, my max in there is 10 because I'm actually in 10 records at once. So that's the most that I can handle. Uh, and then I, I have another program that's called Unlocking You, which is for someone, some people come to an Akashic session and they're like, great, I understand what my soul's purpose is. I understand a little bit how to align with it, but they, they're just tiptoeing into this and they, they really need some tools to work with. So I have a program called Unlocking You, which just helps to give them different spiritual tools that they can start to hone in on to help to keep them in the comfort of their soul without feeling like they're overwhelmed, if that Mm. makes sense. Yes, everybody should check out. Heather has a lot of offerings online, including a free uh, seven-day reset, which I thought was a wonderful, wonderful offering. But I think you're just going to get an influx of moms (laughs) now that we know you're a mom of three, because I, I have to ask, how do you feel like this has in changed your mothering and or strengthened it or supported it. I, I imagine having like, there's gotta be some wonderful um, hmm. way that it's guided you in it, in it that I, I'm sure other mothers would, women would appreciate. Yeah. Just on like a total practical term when I transitioned from teaching yoga and doing more of the Akashic records my schedule changed so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in my 40s now uh teaching yoga every evening and and weekends was just becoming exhausting and as you know or I don't know are you a mother yourself Laura I am I have two yeah yeah so as they get older they need more rides in the evening so that oh yeah are you how old are your kids well, I got a 15, so she'll be 16, 14, and a six-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the spread. Yeah, exactly. They're, the early years are physically tiring, and then, then they become more independent, but they still have to be driven everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so my husband works out of town, too. So when I'm in the evenings, I always having to drive places. That just started to become too much of a juggle game for me. So it was, it was a relief to move into doing more private mentorship and doing more of the Akashic sessions. Cause then I, I really could create my own schedule and not be at a studio's um, mercy a little bit for when I was teaching. So that's just logistically why it's better. But what's been fun is um, now there is a little bit of um, uh, when we do Akashic record session on a child, 
we don't always do the session with the child present because kids are so influential at such an early age. So if you tell a kid they're going to be a doctor at five, then they're going to block out every other option that they have and just focus on being a doctor, right? So when I'm doing, I have done an Akashic session with my eldest daughter. And what was beautiful about that is it really gave me insight as to why she shows up the way she does. And so if you're open to it, in a previous lifetime, our roles were reversed. She was the mother and I was the daughter. So in this lifetime, she pulls that in quite a bit in, in our mother-daughter role. And even like when my son was tiny, she was 10 when he was born. And she would be telling, telling me how to, how to take care of this baby and, and what I was doing wrong and I shouldn't be doing this. And I would get so infuriated. But when I did an Akashic session with her, it just gave me so much understanding as to why she's doing what she's doing. She's not intentionally trying to diminish me or, or, or convince me that I'm not good at being a mom. It's just her nature based on our relationship in the past. So that's an example of how it's softened and just created more space, right? Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, think, I think that'd be helpful for so many. Well, we could talk on and on, but I think, um, you know, everyone should should look up Heather. Not that you don't, you probably don't have all that space for it, but because you have these other offerings, I think some of the group classes, um, you do online group sessions, you do the one-on-ones, anything else you want to tell us about that you offer? No, uh, I, I, I do invite people if they just want to get a little bit more of an experience of me, but with no strings attached, the seven day spiritual reset that you mentioned is a great way to start. So it's on my homepage. You sign up for it. And over seven days, there's just different um, insights as to how to move from the periphery of what's distracting you and come more into your center. And each day there's just a different offering of how to do that. And it's very uh, simple. It comes in once a day for seven days. And then you have those to play with um, for as long as you want to. And it's just an easy way to experience a little bit more of me without um, feeling like there's anything attached to it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I signed up for it. So I'm yeah, looking I forward that. to trying it. Yes, I am. And I just, uh, yeah, it was such a pleasure to speak with you. I, I can tell what you're doing is, has not only benefited you, but I'm sure it's benefited so many. And so if anybody wants to check out Heather, go and where else can they find you? Yeah. Um, the other place would be Instagram. So my handle there is just Heather underscore Ivany. So my first name, H E A T H E R underscore I V A N Y. That'll can be I ping one question back at you before we close? Of course. Did you read How something? Because you? <laughs> you said that you're, uh, this is what got me curious when you were talking is you shared that you are medical background, science-based, but you have these um, intuitive threads within you that are, that are loud, like loud enough that they're coming through and you're sharing it with your clients. So what was the, the point where you decided to trust that and go with it and not just stay with the hard science? I think, you know, I was raised to be a critical thinker, you know, that there was, which I'm, I'm so grateful for. It's, I, there was, I was really raised by two intellectually and progressive minded and curious parents. And so my, and I was also raised, I mean, I'm 52 at a time where I was seen as strong and as intelligent and as worthy and as my potential was exactly the same as my three brothers. So I always say like, 
to have that, those ingredients early on is, is amazing. So I never had to, and it's like, I talk about my yoga practice. I never had to undo something. So in a similar way, I don't think I had to undo. I was always like, hmm, I, I love science. I love the body, but you know, I also recognized how comfortable people are at compartmentalizing things and saying, this leads to this, and this is the reason. When me and my dad's big quote, he was really into quantum physics, is like, there is so, you know, he was, he was raised in a religious background, and then he went away from it. He's like, there's just, you look out, and we are just like a speck. There's mm. so much unknown. So He's a doctor. He was a doctor. And so I just was raised with somebody who on in two hands held this reverence for medicine, but also healthy. I don't want to say even, it's not skepticism, just acknowledgement that there's so much we don't know in intellectually. But so I, yeah, I think I just, I've always been, and to your point about being strong enough not to say no. I mean, I was carving a an un, a unconventional yoga path very early on because you said you struggled with some of the yoga poses. Well, I saw early on, this is not really an accessible practice long-term for many people. And how can we maybe actually teach people about their body and how they should listen to it and how they can breathe and how this can help. And it's not just about going into a pose and checking it off as some kind of going to school, you know, like, here it is, I can do this. So I think I've always just been um, curious, and I don't want to say rebel, but um, willing, I, I, I've always been willing to believe anything. Like I've had my, you know, birth chart read, and I believe all the stuff that's related to that. And you know, and I, so I just think, who knows, right? Why should we put some kind of, um, attachment to what is facts and what is fiction? If it, mm -hmm. if it's, you know, so I think I just was, yeah, I think I was just That's raised with that. That's a great share. I love it. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for asking. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Probably some of the people know this and maybe they don't, but yeah, I think the point is like, you know, and that's what I was also taught my parents, be the best person you can be. And that is really knowing what really matters. So I think, you know, I wasn't shown anything else like this, like this accolade matters or being this, it was just like, be the best human you can be. Yeah. So. Yeah. What a great way to close. Good for you. Thank you. Well, thank you everybody. Thank you, Heather. And I really appreciate your time and I love what you're doing and look for me. I'm going to get, I'm really going to do this reading. I've, I feel called to do it. So everybody stay posted. Maybe I'll post, I'll do a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Look forward to it. Honored to be with you. Beautiful to share some time and space with you. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Thank you so much. And for all of you listening, as always, I am pulling for you. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.